All right, Tanya Meditations. We are going through <clears throat> chapters 41 through 50 of Tanya and picking out the meditations. Chapters 41 through 50 of Tanya, remember uh, the first volume of Tanya is 53 chapters, and the last, uh, well, they're not the last chapters, but toward the end of Tanya, <clears throat> there's 10 chapters that are all about how to cultivate love of God and awe of God. And basically, just a review, how do you cultivate these emotions? What's the exercise or the process or the activity that you engage in to cultivate these emotions? Meditate. What? Meditate. Meditate. Very good. Okay. In other words, the emotions of the heart originate in the, the thoughts of the mind. The way that we think that will generate the emotions that we feel. Okay. So we do it all the time. We meditate all the time. We, we worry, right? So that means we take a thought and we think about it. We perseverate upon it until it starts to feel very, very real and palpable and intense. So we, we know how to use our magical magnifying glass called our brain and create emotions, very intense emotions, very real emotions. We know how to do that already. We do it all the time. So we're just sort of... Um, deliberately choosing which emotions we're trying to end up with. And there are two general types of emotions, love and awe. And we did some love emotions, I mean some love meditations, we did some uh, awe meditations. And now we're going to do today, with Hashem's help, two love meditations from chapter 44. Okay, so let's, let's go into the text. Um, I'm just going to go from the beginning <clears throat> of chapter 44 and, and go quickly until we get to the actual meditations. He gives us a little review. Remember from the previous chapter? I know, that was a few weeks ago. Remember we did the Avas Olam meditation? Love and Very good, yes, yes, correct. Okay, and anyone watching online, if you don't remember what that was, just go back and watch the last Tanya meditation that we did. Okay. Those two loves are divided into many, many substrata. Each one according to, subjectively, the person like it says in the Holy Zohar, You know those words? Familiar words? Yeah. Oh, now you got it. Okay. So what does it mean? I mean, what does it literally mean, by the way? It means she is celebrity adjacent. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah? You know what that means? It means that her husband's famous in the gates. Oh, no, I don't like that. Okay. Nadeb <laughs> Her husband is known in the gates. He has very... To, to have, like, uh, street cred. Oh, the women? Oh, yeah, right. Oh, right. So why is her husband known? Okay. Okay, I'm not sure either. But at any rate, so you want to know what the Zayar says it means? Yeah. Baila, the husband, is Kutubrichu, is the Holy One. 
Dihu is Yada. He is known, he is Dabek, and attached to each person, according to what that person is able to assess. See, Sha'ar can be a gate, or it could be Dimesha'er, that which you assess or evaluate, Belibe, in your heart. In other words, Neidimesha'arim Baila. Your husband, Hashem, is known to you, meaning the intensity of your relationship with Hashem, your personal relationship with Hashem, is going to be based on what? On how much you're able to be Mesha'er, how much you're able to estimate, evaluate. In other words, if you have no God concept, or you have a very flimsy or shallow or pediatric God concept, so that's that level. If you have a more developed, more sophisticated, more thoughtful God concept, then proportionately it's going to be that type of relationship. So, the husband, Hashem, is known to you based on your ability to form a, a concept in your mind. Okay? Fine. That's why he uses the Aramaic uh, terms for love and awe, <coughs> or awe and love, rather. is awe and love. Are called the hidden things which belong to God. <coughs> Whereas Torah, meaning the study of Torah and mitzvahs, the performance of mitzvahs, are that which is revealed to us and our children. In other words, what does it mean concealed and revealed? I would call it subjective and objective. Your emotional attachment to Hashem is subjective. It's really, really personal. It's based on you. Uh, it's different for each person. And in fact, within each person, it's different every day, just based on how much work you're putting into it, how much attention you're, you're, you're putting into it. So that's called Hanistaris Lashemalakeno. And then Torah <clears throat> Mitzvahs, that's basically the religion. That's everybody has the same rules and the same things they're supposed to do, and it's pretty objectively uh, consistent. Okay. Torah um, Achas, because there's one Torah, Umishpat Echod, there's one law, Lukulanu for all of us, Bikim Kolatera Mitzvahs, when it comes down to the performance of the deed, right? Everybody does the same mitzvahs. Masha'enkin, however, not so, when you're talking about awe and love, it's totally subjective, it's totally unique to each person, it's according to that person's uh, mind and heart. Like we explained. Okay? So far so good? Yeah? Sum it up in one sentence. What are we saying? Hmm? Yeah, so love and awe are going to be very uh, personal, subjective. Yeah, that's what it's saying. Okay. Ah, however, however is a reversal or an exception. There is a love that encompasses the previous levels. And again, if you don't remember the last class, you'll be okay. But we refer to two types of love, Avarabah and Avaselam. There's a type of love that encompasses both of those types. And it is Shava Lechol Nefesh. 
I won't call it <clears throat> lowest common denominator because that has inherently negative connotations, but it is universal. It is universal. And indeed, how did we get it? It is an inheritance. Okay, so what are we saying? We're, contra we're contrasting these types of love and awe, which are going to be very personal and everyone's going to have it a little bit differently than everybody else, with a type of love that is like sort of all-encompassing, it contains within it both the two categories of love we learned in the previous chapter. Um, it's shavalachol nefesh, meaning everybody has it the same. And in fact, it's a yerusha. What's the idea of yerusha? Yerusha is, an inheritance is, you know, when it comes to like, let's say, getting paid for a job, well, it depends what your job is. But a yerusha, I mean, obviously a person can stipulate whatever they want in their will, but I'm saying the laws of yerusha automatically is basically even a day-old baby has the same cut as the other brothers. What? I don't, I don't think so. You can leave whatever. Yeah, yeah, I said you. I, that's what I said. Okay. I said obviously a person can make whatever conditions they want. But okay. the laws of Yerusha. By the way, you do three chapters a day of Rambam, right? I don't do Rambam. Who does? I mean, I don't know. Not Rambam. She doesn't in her Yemim and Rambam. Okay, so <clears throat> it's very important to do Rambam every day. Yeah. Very important that I start around up. And at the very least, a safer to mitzvah they do every single day. You've been doing it, yeah? I did it for years of Jewish, I was very bored. Um, you did you learn it with me? No. Okay. Every single day I put out safer to mitzvahs. It's very hard work. Yeah, yes, I do. Thank you for following my soul words output. So very good. So one second it's on Soulwords? It's on soulwords.org, <coughs> although it's not updated because my daughter Tybal didn't update it. But on YouTube it's it's Send her a message. No, don't send her a message. But it's, uh, what should we call it? On the, on the YouTube, it's, it's updated. Yeah. So at any rate, I don't want to get off the topic, but if you're learning Rambam, we're, we just started Sefer Mishpatim, and um, we're going to have Hilchas Nachlos, the laws of inheritance. So at any rate, in the laws of inheritance, it basically explains, <coughs> yes, anybody can stipulate whatever they want, but automatically the concept of inheritance is that even a day-old baby has the same cut. Paula, you're pulling it up on your phone? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know what we're going to have, by the way, someday? We're going to have a very sophisticated system. We're going to have a giant monitor on the wall, and we can show stuff that I talk about on the wall. And I'm going to give you Bluetooth access so that you can pull up. When you pull up stuff on your phone, you can Bluetooth it to the big monitor. You know, if you would watch my videos on YouTube, YouTube would take care of it, and it would make sure to show you everything that I put I out. What's up, What? You got the What's Up broadcast? I don't put Saver Mitzvahs on TikTok, though. TikTok's a different crowd. No, it's a different crowd. TikTok's a different crowd. It's a different crowd. TikTok is where I put my dances. You've seen my dances on TikTok? I know. They're very popular right now with the kids. Really, the adults? I'm, I'm reposting it to adults. Oh, my whole group became Chabad. Because my TikTok dances? <laughs> I don't do TikTok dances. You're just playing it very straight right now. 
Okay, that was, I was impressed. You were playing it so straight that I thought that <laughs> I had accidentally misled you. Okay. All right, that was very good. Okay. No, I'm going to leave it. I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to leave it the way it is. Yerusha is the same for a day-old baby as it is for an adult. Okay, so the, that's the idea of this type of love is pretty much the same for every Jew. So what is that? Because you normally think, like, all right, the whole premise here of, of love and awe, that, at least in Tanya, is that it's a product of meditation. And, you know, some people are smart. I mean, is it terrible to say it? Some people are smarter, some people are not. Some people are deeper, some people are not. Like, so obviously someone who's a more powerful meditator is going to be able to create more powerful emotions. It's like not a judgment. I mean, it is a judgment, but it's an okay judgment. It's just true. Some people are going to be better at this than others. You know, the, the, the guy with the towels over his head davening seven, eight hours, shachras on Shabbos, obviously he's mustering up more intense feelings than the guy who, you know, is the first in line at the Kiddush. Obviously, it's not a judgment. It's just, I mean, again, it is a judgment. Why do I have to say it's not a judgment? It is a judgment, but it's not a condemnation. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay? Well, it's okay to be a I just decided. It's okay to be a, a judgment. is just saying that this is this and that, that is that. So, yes, meditation is going to be different for everybody. That's true. And now what he's about to say is, however, here's an exception. And that is something that's going to be the same for all of us. I'm very curious now to know what that might be. Yeah, okay. Lahainu, <clears throat> and that is, Mashakosa Bezayar ala Pasuk, Nafshi Vesicha Balai Lovagaymer. In the Zayar, it talks about the verse, it's a verse from Tilim from Psalms, My soul, I yearn for you at night. Now here's a bunch of Aramaic. The Yarchim Likud Shabrichu. That he loves Hashem with a love of his nefesh and ruach. Those are soul levels. Like they cleave to his body. And his body, and his body loves them. Meaning his nefesh and his ruach. Etc. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about the fact that the body, not to anthropomorphize the body, but the body yearns for the soul because that is its life force. So the body yearns for the soul to enliven it. And that's what it means when I say my soul, I yearn for you. Who is my soul that I'm speaking to? When I, I'm speaking to my soul in second person because say I yearn for you, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. You, Hashem, are my nafshi, my life, and my true life. Therefore, I yearn for you. I yearn for you like a person who is yearning for his life force. When he is sick and weak. And he's yearning for his life force to return to him. Get the imagery? Nafshi Vesicha, my soul, I yearn for you. Who am I speaking to? I'm speaking to Hashem, calling Hashem my soul. I'm saying, Hashem, my soul, my life, in this case, soul here means life force. Soul can mean a lot of different things. By the way, people get confused a lot. I find that people get confused a lot that when we use the term soul, 
in English, everybody assumes we're automatically referring to a person's spiritual consciousness and conscience, meaning they'll say somebody who's amoral, do they even have a soul? Like that's the type of thing that people influenced by Western philosophy will say. And yes, that is one function of the soul, but right now when we're talking about the soul, and specifically when we're talking about nefesh and ruach, which are lower levels of the soul, we're just speaking about an animating force. Like anything that's alive has a soul. There's the energy that's making it live and grow and move around and have volition. That's a soul. So that's what we're talking about. When I, when I say my soul, I'm not speaking about something like a moral consciousness. I'm just speaking about life force. So that's why he says a weak person, a sick person, a person, God forbid, who's waning. His strength is waning. God forbid, nobody should know such things, but if you're ever sick and you just you can, you can barely move, and all of a sudden, like, you realize how much you just intensely yearn to feel normal. Now, you were feeling normal a week ago and you hated life, and you said you were miserable. And now you're lying in bed and you can barely move, and your greatest, most intense desire is simply just to feel how you were feeling last week when you said life is awful. Right. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Okay. So I guess what we're talking about here is when things get very, very simple and basic and we're not looking at life, quality of life based on like relationships or my contribution to society or any of these loftier things, which obviously are necessary, but right now I'm talking about something just much, much simpler, which is that I can when I desire to move a part of my body, it moves without hurting me. Simple. Simple. Okay? That I can actually get up and move this container around without pain. So, we're tapping into something really, really, really basic here. Really, really primal, I would call it. So, do you get why this is shavalachol nefesh? Like, this is not such a lofty concept, to the contrary. This is not like we're trying to appreciate deeper aspects of godliness. Right now, we're talking about something, I mean, could I say this? I think I'm going to say it. Like, even an animal could relate to this. We're not talking about the soul as it is my, my consciousness and my ability to appreciate deeper concepts. We're literally just talking about <clears throat> the life force that enlivens the body. So, uh, so that's what we're thinking about now. Nafshi v'sicha, my soul, Hashem, I'm calling Hashem my soul, my life force, I yearn for you. Let, let's continue here. Because he describes the imagery a little bit more in detail. V'chein kishu hoylech lishayn. Also, when he goes to sleep, when he goes to sleep, he goes to sleep because he's tired. He yearns that his soul will return to him when he wakes up. We're talking about a person who goes to sleep because they're tired. You're exhausted. You're like, I got to sleep. 
Yeah, what do you, you, you remember the last time you went to bed when you were exhausted and you went to bed, not because it was time to go to bed, but because you were so tired and you couldn't function. Have you ever been so tired you couldn't function? No. No? I'm never tired. You never get tired? No. You don't drink coffee, right? You do drink coffee. Because they say drinking coffee makes you tired in the long run. Caffeine. Okay, at any rate, I've been so tired that I literally couldn't function and I, there was nothing, nothing, nothing I could do for myself but go to sleep and just pray that when I get back up, I'm going to feel normal again. Okay. I don't know. I think it's that's a... That's human. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the whole point, that these are fairly universal human experiences. Here's my coffee, by the way. So you can serve God? No, we're not even talking about that. You're getting too lofty. Too lofty. Too lofty. No. No, 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 no. Because here's why it's not about, let me wake up so I can serve God. That, that actually, ironically, will undercut the love for God that we're trying to develop. Remember, the whole point here is to develop a love for God. And I want to develop a love for God that's based on rechanneling something very basic. So when I say basic, I'm talking about a thought process that even an animal can have. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I need to refresh myself. I'm going to bed so I can recharge. We're specifically, purposely tapping into something that's very, very basic and universal. So think about... And we're so removed from, I think we're removed from the rhythms of the world and the rhythms of our bodies. But just try to think of, God forbid, when somebody is sick and all they want is just to feel normal again. Or when somebody's super, super exhausted and tired and they just want to feel rested again. Okay. Kach so too. These are just metaphors. Kach so too. Ani I yearn. For the infinite light, who is the life of all lives, so I meet him in truth, to be able to draw him down into me, when I get up, when I wake up, and I go learn Torah, because Torah and Hashem are one thing, and by learning Torah, I'm getting Hashem. So there's your God. But that's at the end. God's at the end. God is, when, when I take that feeling, then I channel it to God. But I create the feeling, I'm not even thinking about God. When I'm creating the feeling, I'm thinking just about the most simple biological drive. Okay, so you're following this? No, I'm not. I have no idea what is going on. Okay, we're studying a meditation from the book of Tanya. Specifically from chapter 44. In the beginning of chapter 44, he said most meditations are going to be, uh, your miles may vary because it's going to be based on what type of a deep thinker you are, what capacity you have to think about spiritual concepts. He said, I've got a different meditation for you that is actually kind of universal and it's one size fits all. 
It's called, and he uses the words from a verse in Psalms, Nafshi Ivisicha Balaila, my soul, I yearn for you at night. And he says, This is you speaking to God, calling God your soul, and speaking to God in second person, saying, I yearn for you. What does it mean you yearn for Hashem? Nothing fancy, nothing religious. It's not about some spiritual awakening. It's the most simple, basic desire for the life force. Either like a sick person who just wants to feel normal or an exhausted person who just wants to feel rested. Do you know that drive? Can you think about it? Can you, yeah. Can you think about what that feels like? Great, he says. That's your meditation. You're going to take that feeling and you're going to bottle it. Now you all know what we're going to do with it. We're going to use it to fuel our Torah and mitzvahs because you know that's always the punchline in Tanya. We're fueling Torah and mitzvahs, but we're fueling love of God. Well, love of God is the fuel. What are we fueling? We're fueling Torah and mitzvahs. We're taking a universal experience that's based on a very simple biological drive. We're channeling that into, we're repackaging it at, we're not even repackaging it because he's explained to you logically why really, it's not, it's not really even a metaphor. It, it's literal. God is your life force. We, we're just not we don't necessarily think about it that way. So it's not even a metaphor. It's it, Literally, God is the life force. So we're just thinking about that. I guess that's why it's a meditation, because you have to think about that much. Um, that I'm yearning for God because He is my life. And when I say He's my life, I don't mean that in an abstract sense of my meaning, my purpose. No, I'm talking about on a very simple biological level. We're just channeling that intensity. And then what he says is, okay, and then when you're feeling that desire, so he says, go learn Torah, because are entirely one thing. So you're yearning for Hashem? Great, go get him. Where? Where do I get them? Go learn some Torah. That's called getting a Shem. So that's it. That's what we're doing. Okay? So, let's, should we try to do this? That's what we do. I mean, that's the style of this class, right? All right. So let's... It's not lofty at all, yeah. It's very, very... You're in a whole different level. Yeah, it's practical. But if this is so basic, why wasn't it first? Like, why do we do the more sophisticated ones first? That's a very good question. Why don't we go from, you know, Minakala Lekovid, which often the way we study is from easier concepts to more difficult concepts. But I could easily answer that and say he answered it at the beginning of the chapter, and he, and he said that he had taught you already about Avarabah and Avas Elam in chapter 43, and now he's teaching you about a love that encompasses both of them. So it kind of makes sense conceptually, first to teach you about the two levels that are different from each other, and then to teach you about one that encompasses both. In other words, if, if I'm going to say, if I'm going to teach you about something 
that encompasses two concepts, first I should teach you those two concepts. Kind of makes sense. And by the way, there are two kinds of love here in chapter 44. I don't know if we'll get to the second one, but they're similar and in that they are both tapping into a primal hardwired desire and that they both uh, transcend some of the categories that the forms of love we learned about in the previous chapter adhere to. Okay, so let's think... Well, God willing, we'll get to it. Let's see. I mean, we have a little bit of time still. But let's, let's talk about this, this love that is called Nafshi Visicha Belayla. Okay? So we're going to just think about, I don't want to, like, bum you out and, like, get anyone depressed and think about, like, sick people and tired people. But, you know, you're all sitting here. It's life. So it's life. You're, you're, look, you're, you're sitting here, so, you know, you, you're, you're, you're at least... You know, by, by the way, anytime I'm sitting in a room with more than three people, I assume that mathematically the probability is that somebody sitting here, that just the fact that they're sitting here dressed is a huge accomplishment for today. And I'm always sort of conscious of that fact. And I never know who it is, and I think it's a, possibly a different person each time. But at any rate, whoever made it here today... Um, yeah, because sometimes it, you just feel like you can't do anything and to even just get out of bed is a gargantuan task and to actually make it out of the house and look normal and presentable to other human beings is, is a miracle. So at any rate, Thank you. kudos to you if today is your day. And uh, if it's another day, it's a different day, then pocket the kudos and use it for that. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so think about a time when you're very, 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 very weak. And all you want, I mean, I, I don't want, I, I'm so scared to dwell on the negative, but you know when you're feeling so weak and your hasagas, your expectations have become so small. You know, it's like, <laughs> if I can just move over and, and, and lift up my head so I can sip water without coughing, that would be amazing. Like, you, you, okay, so think, ab yeah. think about how intense that desire is and how palpable and real it is. Like, there's nothing abstract about it. It's, why is everyone looking over my shoulder? A book fell. A book fell? Yeah. So the way that you're describing this meditation seems like what the thing you're afraid of people getting into is just like being sick or being very Yeah, I don't want them to get morbid, so, yeah. Right. So it has to be something that makes sense in terms of like just wanting some strength. Well, he gave a, he gave a non-sick example. He said tired. So. But could it be like normal people can get tired? A regular tired, or is it? No, it's not a regular tired. It's an exhausted tired. Or is it like could be like exhausted from parenting, or could be from work, or I don't know. Could it be something more? I think it's just exhausted from being awake. I think it's very simple. 
it's on a cellular level your body needs to cleanse itself and replenish and if you don't do that you're gonna collapse I think it's that simple I don't think it's no I don't think it's so fancy I don't think we have to fancy it up and make it like I'm tired from this I'm tired from that it's just on a very very simple biological level which is what makes it so intense and what makes it so universal and relatable okay so all right, we're going to do it anyways because I'm afraid to do it, but let's just go through it. So think about a time when you're really, really tired, exhausted, or sick, and your body just is not comfortable, and it's not working, and you can't function, and you're miserable, and all you want is just to feel alive. And by alive, I don't mean like running down the street waving your arms, I mean just being able to, to move and to breathe. Think about the intensity of that desire. So let's try to put ourselves into that space. Think about how intense that desire is, how directed it is. It's so direct, it's like laser focused, there's no distraction. You know, when, when, when we're trying to adjust our lives and we're looking at all the different areas of our lives, what needs improvement, it can get very, very dispersed. But when all you want is just to be able to get up and be able to walk across the room, it's very focused. <laughs> it's very focused. So think about the focus, the purpose, the direction, the undeniable clear conclusion that, that just there's no there's there's no confusion there's no there's no debate this is what i want this is all i want this is all i want <laughs> so try to tap into that feeling of being so focused on that desire and that object of your desire without any distraction or admixture of any other agenda, even lofty agendas. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Now think about, what is that that you're desiring with such clarity and intensity? You're, you're, you're desiring your life force, but what is your life force? Your life force is Hashem. You're desiring Hashem with clarity and intensity and purpose and zero confusion. That is what's happening. That is that feeling. Bottle that feeling. You are desiring Hashem without any confusion, without any distraction. And it is a pure desire. It's an intense desire. It is a primal desire. Okay, so now give into that desire, quench that thirst, satisfy that, that longing, which he says is by learning Torah or doing mitzvahs, because that is what brings you into union with God. 
So that which you desire so intensely is very accessible. You understand, we don't, we don't need Tanya to, to tell people, you're Jewish, you have obligations. Go learn Torah and go do mitzvahs. Okay, great. But the purpose here is to give you an authentic motivation to go learn Torah and do mitzvahs. So what he's saying here is you want a motivation? Great. I, I, I've got an idea for you. There's a motivation you already have. We're going to just label it and categorize it properly through a fairly simple mental exercise. And if you do that, you will find plenty of motivation to learn Torah and do mitzvahs. Okay. So that is the level called nafshi v'sicha. Where's the jump that you're not getting? What point can you get to and which point can you not get to? Okay, so you can relate to the, the experience yes. that he's describing as the metaphor, so to speak. So you're, you're smart. You like smart ideas. So here's the, and this is a very simple meditation. Here's the one smart idea. This takes some thinking, but not a lot of thinking. You know that vitality, that life force, that energy that you want when you're feeling so weak? Yeah. What is that? It's from, from Con Ed? Where is it from? What is it? Yeah, not only it's from God, it is God. Okay, congratulations. No, you're done. That's it. Torah mitzvahs is only at the end. Yeah, you want to be alive. And God is life, so you want God. Yeah. Yeah. Now you want God. Great, Torah mitzvahs. Because that's where you find it. That's right. That's right. Because that's his will. What, and which, which is him. Exactly. Correct. Correct. That's it. It's as simple as that. Let's say you don't connect it to Torah mitzvahs. If you don't connect it to Torah mitzvahs, then you're not doing the meditation because the whole purpose of the meditation is to direct this to love of God, and love of God means doing what God wants. So you, by the way, somebody really evil could take all the meditations from Chassidus and use them just for self-help and not connect it to God at all. How do you know? What? How? Well, we could make a lot of money doing it, actually. Let's do it. Let's do it, yeah. I want to understand. Well, we could just, we could make it about feeling good. We could make it about feeling better. We don't have to. I, I could do the whole thing, I and mean, I'm yearning for my life force, and the life force is the universe, or my inner, whatever, and then I'll stop short of translating that into, and where are you going to get it? Through Torah and mitzvahs. And people will love it. 
In fact, they'll love it even yeah, more. Right. Yeah, because it won't obligate them to do anything. No, we're not getting it through Torah mitzvahs. We're getting it through from Hashem, which is Torah mitzvahs. But we can only find Him in Torah mitzvahs? Well, ultimately, if you're yearning, yeah. the point of yearning is you want... You don't want a little. You want the whole thing. Yearning is intensity. Yeah. So... If you understand that this is the essence of Hashem, I don't want a little glimmer, I don't want a little taste, I want the real thing. I want to go all the way. So what is it? Like we've learned in, in Chassidus, we learned that the innermost desire of Hashem is Torah and Mitzvahs. I mean, everything is Hashem's desire because if it, He didn't desire it, it wouldn't be. So anything in the world is on some level a, a desire uh, on, a, on, a, on an extraneous level. But if you want to talk about His innermost will, that's Torah and Mitzvah. So if you want Him, yeah. or you want a deep relationship with Him, then it's what He deeply desires. But that doesn't, for me, it's not matching the metaphor, because if I'm exhausted, yeah. physically exhausted, not emotionally and spiritually exhausted, right. which would guide me towards Torah Mitzvah, if I'm physically exhausted, I want Hashem to, like, save me. Right, so you're getting distracted in the story, in the little metaphorical story, because you're like, oh, what's Hashem's role in this story? Hashem's role in the story is come make me feel better. Yeah, that is. Right, and that's not the story here. The little metaphorical story is I'm bottling that feeling that I have when I recognize how intensely I desire just to be alive. And then I'm taking that, now this is the part that actually take, requires thought, I'm taking that and I'm applying that to my feeling about Torah and mitzvahs. In other words, I can do Torah and mitzvahs just surely out of obligation, because that's what I'm supposed to do. I can do it out of social pressure, I can do it out of rote, I can do it out of promise of reward in the afterlife. But now I'm doing it because I realize that that is on a very primal level visceral level, my deepest desire. My deepest desire is I just want God. Okay, great. You want God? Here's how you do it. And let's say you do it and you don't feel like you find Him there. You don't feel. Not that you don't, but you don't feel it. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, you do it anyway. Yes, I could say that as well. You do it anyway. Yes, because at the end of the day, even if the meditation doesn't work, Yet, we're still going to do what we need to do. That's correct. Um, I would say that we need to go back and learn other things, such as perhaps chapter 23 of Tanya, where we learn how Hashem's mitzvahs are, when you do a mitzvah, you become an extension of Hashem. It's this intimate relationship with Hashem, or chapter 5, when we learn about, when you, when, you, when you learn Torah, you meld your mind with Hashem. In other words, this part of the meditation, the part that requires thought, does require some background. And if it's not clicking, like I wouldn't take an uninitiated person and just do this meditation and expect it will work with them. So if it's not clicking, then there are certain things that we need to brush up on, which is why we need to constantly be learning these subjects. Okay, there's another form of love that I'm really not going to get to today, but that's, uh, what?
Should I tell you what it is? Okay, I'll tell you what it is. So after this, he says, and now there's an even more intense love, and it's also very primal and hardwired in you. And in, a, in a, and in a way, it's even more intense than this desire. He says it's called, and he, he, again, he uses the Zoharic Aramaic, kibrod ishtadl, like a son who strives to, uh, take, to take care of his parents. He says there's this filial piety, this, this hardwired desire to be close to your parents. And when that is totally in a revealed state, it will actually even cause the child to act in ways that are against his or her own well-being for the sake of the parents. So he says like this. I guess I'm kind of killing it by summarizing it. Like, But he says, Nafshi Avisicha is loving Hashem because He is your life. So therefore, there's sort of a ceiling to it. You desire Hashem as much as you desire your life. Kibrod Yishtadl is loving Hashem even more than your life. Loving Hashem because He's your Father. So you would do more for Hashem than you would even do for yourself. Nafshi Vesicha, there's a ceiling. I would do as much for Hashem as I would do for myself. Kibrod Yishtadl is I would do even more for Hashem than I would do for myself because He's my Father. And again, the idea of the father thing there is that it's something that's very primal, very biological, it's just hardwired, and that's what he's tapping into in this, in this chapter. Okay, fine. Thanks a lot. We'll uh, no, see you, you next week. Okay. All right.